the four o'clock football frenzy. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The four o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. We got some wacky stuff going on. Is there a 40 challenge? Did you see this? With a bunch of NFL players? I'll get the details on it in a second, but it goes hand in hand with the brewing discussion about the greatest deep threat in NFL history. Right. So who's involved in this? So one of the one of the uh, analysts, I think, um, you know, not one of the more prominent or famous analysts at PFF, but one of their guys uh, put out a quote that said, Tyreek Hill is the greatest deep threat of all time. And internet got mad quick. <laughs> they were like, have you never heard of Randy Moss? Uh, people were just attacking him with Randy Moss. And then the Minnesota Vikings actually put out like a 10-minute highlight film of all of Randy Moss's 40-yard touchdown catches. Uh, people got mad real quick. But here's the thing. I don't think it's that far off. Like, yeah, I do think it's Randy Moss. But Tyreek Hill is an insane deep threat that, you know, I don't know if he'd be the same without Mahomes, but he's really, really good at getting deep and getting open. Yeah, but you know what happens. If there's any claim that a current day player is the best, of course, people flip out because everyone wants to reminisce and then they build up the stars of the past. Yeah. Way beyond what they really were. And of course, Randy Moss was amazing as a deep threat. he's as good as it gets. I do think he's the best I've ever seen. But I don't think it's that preposterous to make that claim. I want to get to details on that 40 thing. It was a a tweet I saw earlier from Bleacher Report, so we'll get more info on it. Next up. So speaking of PFF, they put together a proposal. This is always good chatter. Sure. Aaron Rodgers to the Broncos. When I saw the offer, I was like, eh, I'm not blown away by it if I'm the Packers. And then, of course, the thread was just like, no way the Packers would do that. No way the Broncos would do that. You know, and then Broncos fans would change the deal and then throw more spare players in. Like, no. What do you think the Broncos need to give the Packers? Players or lots of picks? It would be picks. Okay. Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos, according to Pro Football Focus, the Packers get Bradley Chubb, Teddy Bridgewater, 2022 first, 2023 first, and a 2022 third. When I saw that, I was like, nah. I don't want Bradley Chubb and his upcoming salary. I I don't care about Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I don't know why that would be part of the deal. I guess you need the backup. You know. Well, the bridge to Jordan Love if he can't play. Sure. Uh, that, that deal... Two ones, I mean, and I think, and I, and I think around the league, am I right on guys like Bradley Chubb? It's like, yeah, solid player, still has some upside. Has already been injured. Got to pay him soon. I mean, I think I think three ones is probably closer. Uh, and you're if you're throwing in other players, maybe the you know two two ones and a three. I just don't know if those are the right players. Uh, it makes it tough. So I, I think it would be three, and I I I think you know. It, it it's a t- man. It's tough. It's tough to put together what the deal would be because he is an old player. 
Like it's not like he's twenty five, and, and that's what the, a lot of the the Broncos people are coming back with. Like he's thirty seven years old, right? So how oh. long do you have him for? Is he three years or is he five or six years? And it's a big difference. It is, and, and so yeah, I, I think it becomes very tough. And where's the leverage? Like if if there's only a couple teams that he said he would go to, and he's threatening to retire if they don't trade him, like how much leverage do they have? So I don't think it'd be anywhere near. First of all, you're never going to get fair value for a player like Aaron Rodgers. But in this case, you're really not going to. You were saying you were listening to one of the Pro Football Focus podcasts, and they were really building up a case for Drew Locke. Like, why is Drew Locke being bailed on? Yeah, and it, it wasn't. I mean, it's not Locke versus Rodgers. Well, part of, part of this was uh, they were doing a podcast of, hey, let's look at reasons for optimism for every team. Uh, let, let's try to go through and find a reason to be excited uh, for for each and every team out there. And they said, okay, let's say the, the Broncos don't get Aaron Rodgers and they stick with Drew Locke. Uh, Drew Locke has actually had, if you look back uh, last year, he had a pretty good percentage of, you know, of great throws. Like a pretty good number. In fact, comparable to some of the top quarterbacks in the league of his best throws were really, really good. The problem there was there wasn't a lot of consistency um, and – I think you look at the season as a whole and say he didn't get significantly better, but he also didn't play a whole lot his first year. Uh, but but one of the cases they made was when do you give up on a quarterback? And so they said, like, look look at what the Bills did. Look, the, if the Broncos right now were to give up on Drew Locke, there's a lot more reason to stick with Drew Locke for the Broncos than there was for the Bills to stick with Josh Allen at this point. And the Bills said, okay, we're going to stick with him. And he rewarded them with an unbelievable season that nobody really saw to, coming. I'd have to look at numbers. The eye test isn't showing that to me. But well, Josh Allen was uh, was a bottom three quarterback in each of his first two seasons. Okay. And Drew Locke. I last think there's year, more than just numbers. So that's not. I mean, that's not numbers. It's grading every play. But but yeah, I, I mean, th- there there was something that the Bills said. Okay, no, we're not going to give up on him. Where there's something that the Broncos seem to be more willing to, but. When do you give up on a quarterback? When do you say it's enough? And I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't think they should give up completely on Drew Locke, but I don't see Josh Allen and Drew Locke. I don't see that jump. Nobody saw Josh Allen jump either. I, I did. I thought he was worth keeping around. I mean, it, it historically, has never happened like that. That's fine. Historically, I'll take a guy who's athletic at six five and two forty versus a guy who's six one and one ninety. I know he's bigger than that. Yeah, but he's that, that the size, the size, and what he can do at a size is intriguing, and you can't really measure that by grading a play. Sure. So I, I get worried when guys are smaller guys. There's just certain limitations they have. Yeah. But yeah. but I get your point. Like, it's, it, it is a good debate, you know. And Drew Locke. Should they give up on Drew? Well, I mean, right now, George Payton has suggested, like, <laughs> you're you're on the edge, brother. <laughs> right. Like, we're about to give up on you. So we're bringing in Teddy yeah. Bridgewater. So I, he, I don't think George Payton has it in his mind, the new GM, that, hey, this guy, there's, a, you know, even a 5% chance that he could turn into a $40 million guy. And 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 let's also – a little like I, I'm not a big Drew Lock person. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in him, a lot of faith in him at all. Uh, I just, I think you look and you say, okay, that that's a good point. And Drew Lock didn't play much. You know, he hasn't. It's not like he's played every snap. Like he's he's missed a lot of time, so he doesn't have you know a full two years of experience. Uh, I, I, listen, I think that if they can get Aaron Rodgers, they have to go get him. But I don't think it's the end of the world if they have to settle for Drew Lock and try to develop him another year. 
Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company. Let's continue this conversation about Aaron Rodgers. You know, after June 1st, things change. Packers can't actually trade him without getting destroyed on the cap. Caleb Herring's in, former UNLV quarterback, calls the games now for UNLV. Astute observer of football. Caleb, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing really good. I'm enjoying the great weather we're having lately, but yeah, I'm doing good, though. We just pitched a deal that was actually proposed by PFF. Uh, Aaron Rodgers goes to the Broncos. Packers get back. Bradley Chubb, Teddy Bridgewater, 2022 first, 2023 first, and a 2022 third. Is that enough? Uh, no. I, I think like if you're just looking at face value of of you know Aaron Rodgers' value versus you know the collection of picks that you you assembled and you know a young uh, outside linebacker essentially that you know maybe maybe has a, a chance to be a good player down the road. I think you say no. There's I, and there's not many packages I think you can put together to to say it, it, it's good enough. Like you, as the package, you're going to get a return on your your value for Aaron Rodgers, and that's just a testament to how great he is, right? And he's you know the future Hall of Famer, obviously first ballot, arguably greatest of all time as far as skill set and what he brings to the table as a quarterback. So you're you're not going to find that, and if you could. Um, then there'd be, you know, maybe there'd be 32 Aaron Rodgers in the league, right? I mean, if you could um, imagine the, the once-in-a-generation type of talent he is for a franchise, then no, that's not enough. Um, but, there, I mean, there's a way you can look at the business and the football, and, and if you're confident in your team-building skills, and if you're confident, one, that you have a good enough team assembled already, um, then there's a way you can justify it, I think, if you're the Packers. And, uh say that, yeah, we got enough of a return based on the risk we'd be facing if we didn't go trade him to someone. Um, I think there's other teams that could put together maybe a more appealing package, but um, I I do think that there's an angle you could take where if you're the GM of the Packers right now and you say, I've assembled a team that maybe doesn't need a Hall of Fame quarterback. Maybe they don't need a a talent like Aaron Rodgers. Maybe I don't need to necessarily get an equal return for him as a quarterback. I could probably bring in somebody that's maybe you know solid, decent at quarterback, and then use the rest of what I get in that trade to to win if that's the objective. Um, then then I I think you can you know say that's better than the alternative of him potentially retiring and I get nothing for him and he walks out of the door um, like they've had experience doing before. So um, I, I I don't think that that trade at face value is close to equal value for Aaron Rodgers, but. Um, in the business of football, I could understand how maybe the Packers could flip it into something that they do. Isn't it just going to become a game of chicken? Like, okay, we're not going to get value because there's no such thing as equal value for Aaron Rodgers. Uh, so maybe he just doesn't show up, but then the value goes down. Like the trade value goes down if he's not showing up because people are like, well, he's he's just retired. You have to give him up for something. Yeah, and I think that's that's the what I think it could come down to is if, I think, and that's where it initially started off as, where it was, you know, the the first statement when Aaron Rodgers said he wanted to, you know, wanted to, wanted out of Green Bay this season. 
the initial response was, we have no interest in trading Aaron Rodgers. And I think that's, that's kind of the game, the business of football, cause, because I think that statement in itself tries to increase, you know, the, the, I guess the height that you'd have to leap to even get us to, to entertain talking to you about trading him, right? That sets the bar higher because it shows that you want him. And you're going to have to do a lot more, um, you know, to, to make me not want him or to have me even consider parting ways with him. So I think that game of chicken started from the very first day, right, um, with, with management and Aaron Rodgers and, and his team um, kind of going back and forth. Now, is this one of the situations where you kind of call, you know, the bluff here where Aaron Rodgers is saying, well, you're stacking the deck at quarterback. Uh, you're, you know, you're signing guys like Blake Bortles as if I'm supposed to be intimidated by that. Like, I'm play, like you're prepping for me to retire. Um, is that, you know, management calling his bluff? Um, and saying that you won't retire, you're you're going to be here at the end of the day because you want to play, you love this game, and and you wouldn't let your team down like that. That that could very well be the game that they play, but I just don't see you know taking the risk at that point for that trade for that deal for the Broncos. I don't see that being what you know ultimately says the Packers would would do. I think the Packers would rather risk Aaron Rodgers saying he's going to retire um, come the start of the season than go jump after that trade at least at this point um, during the offseason. This might sound like a weird question, but as as someone who played quarterback, I'm I'm very interested. How how much does it hurt to hand the ball off, or how much stress does it put on your arm? Because we're hearing Trevor Lawrence is not even handing the ball off right now. Like, is that a is that a bad sign? And and is that something that you feel like does it jar you every time you do it? So this is the thing. It's different when you're running pro style offenses, right? If you're under center, turning around, eye formation, handing off to a guy that's coming downhill full speed at you. The way your elbow is locked out to, you know, the way you're taught to at least, to extend the ball out to the running back um, and, and, and put the ball in the pocket is your job to get it there. And the running back's job in that, in, in, in that style of running is to get downhill as quick as possible. They're not looking at you. They're not worried about you putting the ball in there and the bread basket is what they call it. But they're running full speed trying to get to the hole or get to, that, um, get to the edge before the defense reacts or time up their, their – time up their – you know, sprint to the line of scrimmage with that pulling guard. So they're looking at the defense. A lot of times, you know, these guys are running full speed and they're running into your elbow that, you know, basically hyperextended out there. It does hurt sometimes. And it hurts more, I think, from under center than it does in shotgun, which is most colleges across the nation now, and Trevor Lawrence especially, run their offenses from shotgun. So you don't get nearly as much stress in that situation. And maybe it's I've never even thought about it in that context. But I do understand immediately when you said it. I said, yeah, it does sometimes when you get your hand in there um, and the running back makes a cut right away as soon as you hand the ball off, your elbow gets torqued back a little bit and it, it can it can hurt you a little bit. But I've never had it to the point where it's bothered me. I know Trevor Lawrence has had surgery and you know maybe his, his recovery process could be hindered by it. Um, but I do think that there is an impact that happens there definitely during that quarterback uh, exchange with the running backs there. Caleb Herring's with us, former UNLV player. He's on the games now. Uh, what was your experience with the Rebel Caravan? Oh, it was great, man. I actually got a chance to, you know, if you've seen on the, the UNLV football YouTube page, I was actually able to kind of narrate um, some of the, the football aspect of it. You know, the caravan stops it with all the sports, and they kind of go through what they're what they're doing. And, um, at the, of course, it's spring football time, so uh, kind of a, a rebel football documentary, so to speak, following the progress of the team through practice and some of the off-field activities like you know, the paintball trip that they had, um, competitive conditioning um, with, with swimming and swimming pool, which was kind of fun and cool to, to, to watch and be a part of. But 
um, basically my role was just to kind of narrate that experience. And uh, they kind of made it on their YouTube channel a, a documentary type of feel, um, as well as some of the stuff we did earlier this offseason with the tour of the Fertitta Complex and things like that kind of mashed in there with it. Um, but, yeah, it was pretty cool. We also had a, a giveaway um, of some Rebel game jerseys, the football game jerseys, which are, are pretty popular. Like, they're top, in my opinion, top across the nation game jerseys. So uh, some authentic fan memorabilia was given out um, as a part of that documentary as well. So I got to, you know, kind of be the MC for that, and it was pretty cool. It was a pretty cool experience, always fun to, to hang around, you know, the sport that I love the most and, you know, with my alma mater. So, that was a big plus for me this offseason, being a part of that Rebel Caravan and around spring football this year. So tomorrow you have a chance to win uh, one of three authentic Rebel football jerseys like you just mentioned. Here's what they have going on tomorrow for the Caravan. Noon, football coach Marcus Arroyo is sitting down with, as it says here, storied former Rebel quarterbacks, Kenny Main, Steve Stallworth, Jason Thomas, and... No, Caleb Herring. Uh, it's Kenny Mayne, Steve Stallworth, and Jason Thomas. But they're gonna they're gonna all uh, talk about the uh, position, and uh, like I said, fans should register. The event's free, and then you have a chance to win uh, one of three authentic Rebel football jerseys. Pretty cool. That's a cool event. That's a cool event they put together with uh, Arroyo and Kenny Mayne and Steve Stallworth and Jason Thomas. Yeah, and those are you know names that have gone on to become famous names from UNLV. We had a lot of people, you know, realizing Kenny Mayne's ESPN career is probably where they know him from, but realizing he was the UNLV quarterback um, during a time, you know, around the Cunningham was also around during Maine's era, I guess. But, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to, to take a trip down memory lane. And uh, Steve Stallworth, obviously the guy I keep in touch with, um, he's around the program a lot now with, you know, Rebel Athletic Fund and things he does um, there with the alumni as well, keeping people in contact with the program. Um, a couple, uh, I guess, a couple years back now, with the Sandboy Stadium send-off, he was very instrumental in kind of getting everybody um, from that story history of UNLV football back to Sandboy to kind of have a, a farewell last year. So it would be cool to have a conversation or sit down and listen to that conversation, kind of be a fly on the wall um, for that quarterback talk. And you know, I'm all about quarterback talk, so I would love to be a part of it. I would love to be one of the names mentioned. I don't think I'm old enough yet to be considered storied. So I think I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> I guess that's the only way I could spin it. Um, maybe one day, you know, a couple years down the road, I'll be one of those storied guys. But um, And then I also get a chance to talk quarterbacks and, and football with the Royal all all season long. So um, definitely going to have my opportunity to, to, to rehash that conversation. But if you're a fan of, of the position, if you're a fan of Rebel football, I think that would be a, a great conversation to tune into. Again, that's at noon. Tomorrow it's uh, free to watch so uh check in we'll get to the address where you can check in there uh facilities are fine for rebel football we talked about the uh, fertita center just a couple minutes ago the stadium uh, las vegas stadium is going to be awesome for them not every school's in the same situation caleb did you see what happened with hawaii so aloha stadium has been condemned uh i guess we wish we had known that when we were there right uh but it's been <laughs> deemed unsafe you can't use it so for the next three years, they're going to have to – they're building some sort of stadium on campus. It's going to hold 9,000. <laughs> you know, sellouts, right? They're going to sell out yeah. a lot. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Be loud. 9,000. So, I mean, I, I mean, you do what you got to do, right? I think, you yeah. know, with Hawaii's situation, I, I think this was one of those things where um, the, the Aloha Stadium being condemned caught everybody off guard. I think it was a surprise which I don't know, you know, necessarily how, you know, those regulations are, are you know, 
handled. I'm not an expert at all at building regulations or, or keeping <laughs> no. things up to code, but I, I would imagine that you, you kind of saw this coming at some point, um, that the, the condemning of that stadium wasn't a shock to everybody, at least, right? So um, they were just kind of a situation where they hadn't had anything put together. And, you know, with, with uh, you know, attendance requirements, that I, I remember this being an issue, you know, back in UNLV with UNLV with attendance being an issue um, with the NCAA standards. So um, obviously they're going to be making some sort of exception for this. If you know, the capacity is 9,000 that I'm, I'm pretty sure that's under the, the mandatory minimum for, for attendance for division one. Um, but you know, you do what you got to do. And it's not like there's a lot of, uh, cheap real estate. I wouldn't imagine in, uh, yeah. in Hawaii to go after a plot of land to build a, a real college stadium that, that I think a division one program should have, but, it's a problem that I'm glad that UNLV doesn't have, right? I mean, we, we yeah. figured our stadium situation out and came out on the right end of it. Um, I, I know Aloha Stadium was a, a great place for me to visit, and I wish, like you said, I would have known that the stairs might have fallen from underneath me as I was going up <laughs> to the press box. But, uh, yeah. yeah, no, it's great. It, it, I, I think, you know, hopefully it works out for them. Um, but that's a situation you don't want to find yourself in, uh, especially when you see the, the benefits when it comes to recruiting guys and bringing guys on official visits and, and then just fan attendance and enjoyment. Can't imagine what it's going to look like on televised games if they do get any games on TV well, in that stadium. It's, it's yeah. there's a whole plot of problems that come along with having a stadium that's kind of makeshift like that. If uh, if you win, people don't don't seem to care because San Jose looked like a junkyard last year and they were kicking booty yeah, right. all over the conference. And Hawaii does have a new thirty five thousand seat stadium in the works, but it just doesn't start for a couple of years. It's supposed to be ready in twenty twenty three, and eventually it's going to be a whole mixed use retail hotel rail station, which I think is really important, uh, entertainment district, swap meet area. So that's going to cost about $350 million for their new 35,000-seat stadium. Let, let's close on this with Caleb Herring as he's with us here on a Wednesday. All right, Lakers are up. Never thought you'd be here. You're in the plan. You're in the plan, and you're going against the freaking dreaded Warriors and even more dreaded Steph. My goodness, man. I Like, just the, the worst possible scenario, right? I mean, like, I just – one, it was enough this season to, to watch our star player, you know, both star players, really, Anthony Davis, um, LeBron James, throughout since of the season just being injured to even get us here, right? So that's for the first time seeing LeBron James injured a lot. And he's been injured, you know, the most obvious in his career as a Laker, which kind of just just doesn't feel fair, right? Like he's the epitome of availability his whole career. And then he comes to L.A. and he's all of a sudden unavailable for a lot of time. But I mean, you're here now. You're you're here in a, a dog fight. I guess you knock the rust off. Hopefully, for the guys that have been out, Dennis Schroeder also has been out, um, and he's a, a key addition in the offseason that the Lakers are going to need production from. So, having him back for it would, would help. Um, I think the Steph Curry phenomena that's happened uh, the last really three months of the NBA season, right? He's been on a hot streak, has really gotten everybody, uh, I think, excited about his prospects and having him in the postseason. And I think that strike struck fear into a lot of people. Um, maybe maybe fans more than players. And I think, but you know, the Lakers kind of going goo goo over him and, and really complimenting him in the, these past few days. Um, hopefully, that's just kind of you know not providing bullets and more material, that type of situation. And they're not really afraid of him. I, I would say in a one game series, which is you know a win or go home type of situation, or win in or go to the losers bracket, I guess um, Steph Curry scares me. Because he can get hot, yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, one of my one of my friends actually told me, you know, that really calmed me down. Is Steph can't score 120 points, right? Like I'm, I don't. Maybe he can, 
I'm, I'm not. I, I think that the Lakers won't get beat. I think they have assembled a good enough team that one player can't beat them. And I think you know Steph will probably play every minute of this game. And I, I could see that as a possibility, depending on how the Warriors really want to pursue getting into the playoffs here or getting that you know seventh seed. Um, the Warriors are a great offense with him, but if he's not on the court, they're they're terrible, right? And if the the Lakers can manage to slow the game down and, and punish. The Warriors inside with Anthony Davis and Drummond and LeBron obviously going to the right. I when I the more I thought about it, I said I'm not worried about this game. We should win this game. Stranger things have happened, right? But the Lakers should come out with a win and and should be the seventh seed, which even still sounds terrible to me with the kind of talent we have to to be celebrating becoming the seventh seed. But uh, we'll see. Hopefully they come out with a W tonight. Even though I would love to see Steph in the playoffs this year with the kind of year he's having, I would love to have Steph in the playoffs. But um, I, I'm a Lakers fan. Just don't fan, do it so tonight, baby. So. Yeah. Just don't <laughs> yeah, get the job tonight. done tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Caleb. Good luck to your Lakers, man. We appreciate it. We'll see you. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good one. There he is, Caleb Herring, uh, voice of UNLV football along with Russ Langer. And again, a reminder, the uh, Rebel Caravan online goes down again tomorrow. Really cool at noon. Kenny Main with Marcus Arroyo and Steve Stallworth along with Jason uh, Thomas. Uh, free. To view, you can ask questions, you can win prizes. Uh, really, really cool as they continue the caravan tomorrow at noon. Visit lvsportsnetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. And there's Tasting and there's Cadillacs all shiny and new. Gotta move, cause time is a wasting. There's such a lot of right, time for the fat pack. And sometimes there's a lot of fighting on, on uh, Twitter and social media. I attempts to quell the fighting though are often silly and stupid. Ari found some battle going on here. Someone said, uh, Y'all argue about the same S on here every day. Let's change the subject. Hard or soft tacos? I'm like, does, who likes hard tacos? Wasn't that? What? <laughs> Angel. Wait a second. Like hard after they're fried or like the hard Americanized crap that we came up with in the 70s? The hard shell taco? Yeah. You like those? Well, I mean, this is the ultimate cop out. It's both. The double-decker taco at Taco Bell is one of the greatest no, items no. in food history. Wait, is the crunch on the outside or the inside? No, it's it's a hard-shell taco right. wrapped in a tortilla with, with the... Uh, well, that's what I just asked you. Yeah. So the, so the, the crunch the, is on the inside, technically, yeah. so you get softness on the outside. And it's the there's a layer of like refried beans in the middle. And they kept that, or is that the one they got rid of? They got rid of it. As far as I know. And Ari, what were you I did about? not bring this topic up to talk Taco Bell. We're talking... Real tacos here. And I agree with Angel. I like the hard shell. It's nice and crunchy. Really? If you get a real authentic taco, right? Not from one first of all, your uh, various... First of all, a real authentic taco would be a soft shell. Right. Now you can fry up the soft so it gets a little bit hard. Now I'm not talking about authentic tacos like Jack in the Box. <laughs> Wait, why is everyone laughing? What happened? With that bean... Um, I mean, smush smear inside. An authentic ta- tasty uh, at night, though, when you're, uh, you know, you're in a mood. Sure. An authentic taco would be like the soft shell, like street taco. That's that's a that's a taco. That's what an authentic taco is. 
a, I didn't think hard and soft was uh, an argument anymore. A hard shell taco would not be. There's no such thing as authentic hard shell taco. I like the person putting this post up. Their first response was, uh, "I like wheat tortillas," and then that's a whole other thing. That's a whole different thing. It's corner flour. I'm, I'm out. Yeah, it's I mean, corner flour. Let's go. What are we doing? This this is. Insanity. I know. I know. The, you got to draw the line somewhere. Don't we? We frankly, we have too much variety today. Kids these days have too much variety. That's Back true. in my day, it was this or that. Okay, now, you eat it or you don't. Last time I was at uh, my favorite Mexican spot. Okay, I was going fajitas with the lettuce wrap. Is that right? That's a new. I mean, that's that's Is a your game favorite changer. spot. The order that's like six pounds of meat, though, as you're trying to eat healthy. So good. It's unbelievable. It's <laughs> so good. Yeah. I think it's overkill. It's delicious, but it's overkill. But if you go, but it's also there's not as much meat as you think there is in there. Like it's it's a very deceiving order, but at the same time, there is still a lot of meat. And then you just go, you wrap some lettuce around it. That's that's a new age taco. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. All right, let's get back into what the Golden Knights did last night. Look ahead as well to Game 3. Uh, talk a little bit of horse racing as we had some big news on the horse racing front. Brian Blessing does a, a show on Sports Grid. That's on Sirius Second 204. He's locally on K-Shop. Joins us on Wednesdays. What's up, Brian? Steve, good to talk to you. Adam, I got a quick question for you, buddy. You know, you know, words can come back to haunt you. 16 years ago when I moved here and started doing some radio hits with Steve Colfield, he used to call me the old guy, get off my line. I'm <laughs> sitting here belly laughing. In the last segment, he used the words, back in my day. I know, right? <laughs> well, it's kind yeah, of a joke. You've you watched, you watched the evolution of him getting old. Yeah. You know, it's funny when I used to call I used to call you and Coke and old, and I'm, I'm older than you guys were, so I don't know what the hell happened, but uh, it caught up to me quick. <laughs> caught up to me quick. Well, plus you you have you have the great one liners all the time. You don't, I'm not going to ask you to do them on command, but you throw them out there, and I'm like, those are great. That was what I was referencing. I don't know what what's your one with a ham sandwich. I, you always got something. I'm like, where did that come from? Oh well, you're smooth as a stucco tub, Steve. There. <laughs> there I like I like the uh, hounds breakfast. <laughs> what's the hounds yeah. breakfast in reference to? It's a mess. You ever seen a hound eat breakfast? It's a it's an absolute mess. It's a good point. <laughs> I shouldn't need an explanation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so last night's game at one nothing, I felt like that was a hound's mess. I didn't have a lot of hope for the Golden Knights. It was looking pretty gnarly there for a yeah. little bit, and they were squeezing the stick. And it's a the March is so goal. It's funny, as good as Talbot played, probably one he'd like to have back. But collectively, the air got back in everybody's lungs, especially for the Golden Knights, because they found their game after that goal. But they were starting to squeeze the stick pretty hard. Now. How much do you think, you know, played into maybe some frustration uh, from the Wild? Even though they scored that goal, they could have been up 3 4 nothing at that point. Uh, they finally get it. They breathe a sigh of relief and maybe let off the gas a little bit. But it's got to be frustrating to play that well and not really be able to build up a lead. Yeah, Adam, what happened was they played this perfect road game and they get the lead. And then instantly it's tight. And then all of a sudden, well, bo- the Golden Knights got a bounce in their step, but the Wild felt like they had to go for it to get the lead back. 
and all of a sudden there was so much more open ice in the neutral zone after that game got the 1-1 when there wasn't two inches to move out there prior to that point. Do you think – I don't know if you got to watch um, the Wild and their, their presser last night or if you went back and, and checked it out, uh, but being on there, I got the sense that they were incredibly confident to the point of maybe even overconfident in saying, hey, it's 1-1 and we're going back home where we're awesome and they can't win. Like, this is a big win for us. Like, is that a little bit too optimistic on the Wild's part? Well, I mean, they had a chance to really go for the Golden Knights' lungs last night. Okay, they didn't get it done. But any, it's hockey cliche stuff, but it's true. The road team wants to get a split out of the other team's building, and they're going back home where they've only lost five times this year. And just for Steve, every time the Golden Knights play in Minnesota, it's a dog's breakfast. <laughs> That's good. There we go. We got we got that one. By the way, have you have you made any coaches hang up lately? Any uh, walk offs? Oh, no, that that was nothing. I mean, you know what? Uh, you know what? Listen, I dealt with Scotty Bowman every day for four years. You think I'm losing sleep over that? I'm. Yeah, listen, that was ten minutes after they lose a game that he realized Colorado wasn't going to lose to L.A. and they they let the President's Trophy get away. And oh, by the way, sometimes. It's right in front of your nose, and you don't even think about it. And my wife said it to me. She goes, the players get 30000 bucks for the President's Trophy, right? And I go, yeah. She said, well, what about the coaches? And I said, oh, honey, you're the best. I mean, you got to believe DeBoer probably had like a $100,000 bonus to be the coach of a President's Trophy team. I'd be in a crummy mood, too. Well, Brian, I, like a lot of people were talking about, you know, the media after that and all the media this and the media that oh, and please. their negativity. Like to me, he wasn't even mad at the media, right? Like looking back, he was he was frustrated with some other people. I think he was frustrated that let's see, there were the other team had three extra guys, possibly is what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Minor detail. <laughs> yeah. Just a small thing. Yeah, for sure. Um Brian Blasting. Yeah. Brian, give me a reason. I mean, there's too much value here, isn't there? Or is, it, or is this a bad bet? Colorado's 370 tonight? It is absolutely crazy, Steve. I mean, the last game was 1-1 with 12 minutes to go, and Bennington played great. Hey, full disclosure, five weeks ago, I bet St. Louis at 55-1. to I'm like, they're mm-hmm. going to finish fourth in the division, and by the time the playoffs get here, they'll be 15-1. to They've got back class. They've won a cup. Now, they got to get Baron back in the lineup, but that was a one-one hockey game. And again, all the road teams trying to do is get a split. If they win tonight, it's game on. Uh, that, that number is absolutely insane. I don't understand the numbers they're, they're given with Washington against Boston. By the way, the Caps just scored to go up one nothing in the second period of that game. Some of these hockey numbers are beyond belief. Brian Blessing, Sports Grid is on the horn. So Brian's really into horse racing. Was this a good week for horse racing that New York stepped up and they're like, yeah, you know what, Baffert, you're not coming? Uh, well, I mean, I don't know. What, what does it accomplish? I, what, what The bad thing for horse racing, Steve, we talked about this last week, and there's still no resolution. Like, we, we put a little helicopter on Mars. How can we not get a drug <laughs> test from Churchill Downs from three weeks ago? Do they, I mean, do they have the results and they just don't want to talk about it? Do they keep waiting for this supposedly split sample? I just, for the life of me, uh, Adam, I don't understand why they didn't have the result, the, the second result, the Monday after 
the derby and this thing was over and done with and put it to bed. The best thing that happened was Medina Spirit ran up the track and, you know, the bottom line is the Belmont's going to be the Belmont in a horse race now. So you move on with it, but you see ultimately what's going to be the determination. Like what? Seven weeks after the fact, you're going to declare a Kentucky Derby winner? I mean, it's brain dead. Brian, what's going on with you and the show and uh, hanging out for some more of these uh, Golden Knights games, especially early next week? Oh, Steve, i got to be honest with you, but I couldn't be more excited. Literally, you know, 20 minutes ago, talked to Chuck Esposito. We're going to be doing a hockey watch party for Game 5 in Club Madrid at Sunset Station. Monday night, the doors open at 6, prizes, the game's on. 9,000 fans going to the home game, so that means there's 9,000 other new people that are sitting out there looking for somewhere to go. But honest to God, it's the first time we've been doing a watch party since prior to a year ago March. So, honestly, thrilled about that, that maybe we're close to getting back. I know, it's crazy, right? Uh, i got to go back to horse racing for one more point. What do you think of the fact that Bob Baffert is facing class action lawsuits from uh, pissed-off derby bettors? Uh, the lawsuits accuse Baffert of fraud, racketeering, and negligence. Uh, boy, oh boy, this would be interesting if they actually got some some damages out of this against Baffert. Do you see any way that actually happens? I mean, you <laughs> no. know, you, I mean, you, should should it? I mean, in theory, should it? Maybe. Well, the problem is, it's like anything. If, for argument's sake, right, the Kentucky Derby itself, there was a contractual dispute to even take a bet on Churchill Downs that the books in town were booking it themselves. Some places took track prices. Other places had house rules. So it's like read the fine print of the house rules. I mean, I know I heard your segment with, uh, was it uh, Dick Girard, is it, from Philly? Yeah, yeah, yeah Dick Girardi. Dick Girardi, yeah, great, great writer. Yeah, I remember read him in the Daily Racing Forum. He told you it's gone. It's over and gone. There's, I mean, there's. I mean, they'll get 10 minutes of publicity out of it, but they're not going to get 10 cents out of it. Uh, you would love to scare the daylights out of some of these guys who are constantly cheating, and then, uh, you know, no problem like two days later after going on a stupid tour and talking about cancel culture, and then he's like, oh, that's a good point, actually. Uh, uh, the horse did have something. So, Well, All right, Bob. you sue the track, you know? I mean, and, yeah. and then if there are going to be repercussions against Baffert, then again, nothing's going to come of it. But, uh, you know, it's just a black guy for a sport that can't afford black guys. Brian, thank you. We appreciate it. Fellas, have a great day. Thanks, Thanks Sirius XM 204, Sports Grid Radio, Great Gambling Network. You can listen to uh, Brian Blessing uh, Monday through Friday. Five o'clock hours on the way. we got to get to uh, one of the other big stories last night with the Golden Knights. We barely talked about it in the opener. We were talking about all the stars offensively, but Marc-Andre Fleury was unbelievable. Visit LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.